Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your boy, Dave Noodles. We are on the Type 88 show. We got a special show lined up for you today titled Change Makers. And we got a special guest with us. This guy's been out there. He's been making change. His story is something else. We got the one and only Don Robinson with us. What's up, man? What's going on, man? What's going on? It's a pleasure to be here. I can't tell you how much I appreciate the opportunity, man. Thank you. Of course, man. It's good to have you here. Um, so, of course, you're a Staten Island resident, but maybe you could kind of tell us where you were born and how you even got to New York. Right. So I'm actually from New Orleans, Louisiana. Uh, I had relocated to New York after Hurricane Katrina in 2006. Uh, my family, we lost a house, we lost a car. I literally moved to New York with you know, like a book bag full of clothes and we had to start all over. And uh, I've been a New Yorker. I've been a New Yorker ever since. Damn. So, so Hurricane Katrina, that was that was quite a a turbulent time. Yeah. Um. So dealing with tragedy and dealing with loss, like, how do you feel that that made you as a person? Because that's a that's quite a uh, it, uh, quite a thing. It, it forced you to be able to overcome anything um, because it's like I was probably seven or eight at the time. So from a time that I was seven or eight, I had to grow up really quick. I had to deal with overnight being homeless. Um, I had to deal with the separation between friends. I had a lot of, I had a lot of friends who years later, you know, once Facebook and, and MySpace, became popular and I actually started to find, you know, those classmates that I had, you know, they all assumed that I had died because if you didn't come back or people didn't hear from you, people just assumed that you had died. We're talking about almost 2000 people who lost their lives in that event. So it taught me that I am the master of my own destiny, you know, because we, we chose to leave the city the day before. And we actually went to Galveston, Texas, and we secured a hotel. Galveston, Texas was the closest hotel to New Orleans that was available. That's how many people were trying to get out of the city. That's how many people were trying to relocate. So um, actually, I was with my brother in, a, in the pool in the hotel, and we were having the time of our lives, man. Like, I, I hadn't... I haven't been to too many pools at the time, so I was having a ball. I didn't even want to go home. We came back up from the pool, and my mother had CNN on the TV, and you just see the entire city over water. So with that chip on my shoulder, I had to always be able to sidestep and keep moving forward because that's what it was all about. I, I still had my life. A lot of people weren't as fortunate and I feel like that has really painted a picture for my life that don't I can't get caught up in things that I can't change as long as I have my life and my family and my health then there's always a way to get around it you know so I, that's that's, that's kind of how I hold myself wow and it's it's true because you know you're talking about things you can't change but you could choose how you respond you could choose how you react you could chant you could choose what you do next and uh of course a few months ago who would have known um you know the pandemic would come into play and you know for businesses people health no one would know that 
their family would get sick or certain things. So there's been a, there's been a lot of change happening in this world. So, you know, just to kind of go to a, a reflective side of it, do you see that this pandemic brought a certain focus of certain mean, meanings of life for you during this time? Uh, I, I, I definitely do. Um, I, I don't want to, I don't want to paint it in too much of a bright light because there's unfortunately a lot of people who have died already and people who have are still fighting those battles, people whose families and, and, and jobs have, have come into serious effect. But this time did give people to this time to give people the time to reflect on their life and their self and the choices that they could make. I have a lot of friends who are taking this time to work on their businesses. I have a lot of friends who are taking this time into, you know, being activists. I have a lot of friends that are learning a craft, you know, maybe taking their schoolwork more seriously. We tend to live in a rat race and with money being the main goal, you don't really have a lot of time to work on yourself. And with this COVID shutdown, you're forced now to sit down for a minute and breathe, right? And that just gives people the time to see what's really important in life. You know, we were in this rat race and overnight, rat race was stopped, right? So what are you left with? You're left with, you know, people. You're left with experiences. You're left with sights. And I think this COVID situation, as scary as it is, has woke a lot of people up to the fact that you don't need to be in the office every day. You know, it, it, it's okay to have breakfast with your children. It's okay to, you know, just take that time. And especially for me, I'm a 110% workaholic. Before COVID-19, I was working two jobs, 5 a.m. to 1, as in 2 to 10. But that's, the stress of that has put me in a real bad place. And, and as, as, as bad as it is to say, this time with COVID has really given me a lot of relief, the time to think and consider what is important to me. And is that something I want to do for the rest of my life? So it's definitely been a time of reflection. That's something else, man. And, um, you know, you're talking about the impact of media and having with the world now with the internet, you could start a business, you could get your word out to so many people. Um, there's so many platforms to speak up, to share your thoughts, opinions, and your voice on certain matters. Um, I think there could also be a time where people are like, oh, well, everyone's talking. What's the point of me saying something? Oh, am I going to be heard? Or, or maybe they're just shy to, you know, to put something out. Maybe they're scared of being judged or they just think no one's listening. How did you grow? How did you grow into someone who is comfortable going in front of a bunch of people and talking, you know, getting on a loudspeaker and, um, you know, being, you know, being proud of who you are and uh, talking maybe for people that are a little shy. How did you, how did you kind of get into that? Okay. So from a child, uh, well, this is in the words of my uncle, um, on my mother's side, I here in New York. I have a lot of aunts, but I have one uncle in particular. And he's always tried to guide me in the best way. Um, he told me I had the gift of gab, right? At the time, I didn't really understand what that meant. He used to say it all the time, and I felt like it wasn't something applicable. I would tell myself, you know, I need some kind of trade or some kind of degree, or I didn't see it as the gift that it really was. So he was actually a stockbroker, 
and he was uh he was the one of the partners at a firm called National Securities. So he actually brought me in to be a stockbroker. I actually have my Series Seven and my Series Sixty Three licenses, um, and he put me to work cold calling. So for anyone who doesn't know what cold calling is, it's similar. If you ever seen the Wolf of Wall Street, uh, it's not exact. It's not, it's not as crazy as the Wolf of Wall Street. It's a little exaggerated, but I'm on the phone calling people 500 times a day. So that was our firm limit. You, and you had to place 500 phone calls by days in because it's a math game. Out of that 500, you'll get, let's say, 10 people to call you back. Out of 10 people who call you back, you'll have that one person who will actually do the deal. So I have to pitch random people all day hey sir my name is donovan robinson such and so forth they hang up on you you know mm. so after a thousand calls you start to build um you start to look at things differently right you need a in my business you need a certain amount of no's before you get to a yes so that fear of speaking to people slowly dissolved away and i was able to really step mm. forward because i understand that that first no doesn't mean that this is impossible. And just because, and I guess it translates over into me just being in front of a crowd. You know, I know what I'm talking about and I'm confident in what I'm saying. Uh, especially, you know, with the recent events is a lot easier because that's something I'm passionate about. Before I was pitching people's things and talking about, trying to convince somebody to do something in regards of the end game being financial stability for myself. I just did it for the money. With this, these current events, this is something that I take personally. So this, not, this isn't something that I have to be paid to do. I can do this and never be paid a dollar for it because it means that much to me, which makes speaking to people that much easier about it. That's amazing, bro. I, I always tell anyone I'm talking to, if they're trying to get to one place, I'm like, see where you are now, and you'll be surprised at the lessons that you're learning now. It could be, you know, scrubbing the floors. And they may be like, oh, well, that has nothing to do with being a rapper and being signed or whatever. And I'm like, mm -hmm. no, it, like you getting down and being willing to do that hard work when, you know, most people would say no to mm -hmm. those, are, you know, you're learning lessons through other. It may be disguised as another job, but you're learning something for your a purpose that you could use for, you know, the thing that really matters to you. And that that's great to hear, bro. 100%. I, I feel like if you take your craft serious and you have the opportunity to be next to someone who's, who's efficient and profitable in that craft, then just because you might be a secretary today doesn't mean you can't be where he's at tomorrow. If you can get in the same room with this guy with a note and a pen pad and just soak up all of that information things can happen right there's a saying that says if you hang around the barbershop long enough you're bound to get a haircut right so i think that's what it's all about it's about you know a lot of people and myself i had a big i i, I had a big problem with that humbleness that came with it and being able to understand that you're not good at it right now but that's okay and times we we're so much into this rat race that if we don't see some kind of financial traction, we assume we're not getting anywhere, right? So what happens is a lot of times we quit right before your big breakthrough because you tied your success to the amount of money instead of the amount of growth you have as a person. So it definitely taught me a lot. I always say this, uh, 
I did a track called The Break, and I always say your breaking point, your breakthrough is right after the moment you feel like you're going to break. You know that moment, and then when you get through that breaking point is when you have your breakthrough. So uh, I really like that, man. 100%. So, you know, the last few weeks have been, um, you know, there's been a lot of change maybe you could kind of tell us, um, you know, who your team is composed of and okay. like, what is your call to action for okay. those that, for those that want to join in? So first and foremost, uh, I call to action. I, I'm with the youth leaders of Staten Island. Um, it was a group of young guys who were sick of the conditions and, 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 representation that we had on Staten Island, they really wanted to do something about it. So they began a spree of protests all over Staten Island. Um, and I was lucky enough to get involved. Actually, the first day I went to the protest, it was a Friday, and I wasn't supposed to speak. I wasn't even involved with the protest whatsoever. But the guys there had inspired me so much that I literally bum-rushed the entire stage. And I seen a former teacher of mine. Um, and he has always been one of the leaders in the community. He's actually uh, the director of the community center over in Stapleton, the Carter Center. And I grab him like, man, you gotta let me speak. He's like, he's like, we got some things lined up, man. I don't know. And I'm, I grabbed him again. I'm like, listen, you have to let me speak. He's like, you know what? Okay, we're gonna give you some time. So I waited, I waited, and then they finally got to me, and I was able to speak. And the reception that I had from the crowd was amazing. And after that when I spoke with the youth leaders who organized the event, you know, I wanted to stress to them that I wasn't trying to steal the spotlight from them. I didn't want to take any credit that didn't belong to me because to put something, I have the gift of gab, but I don't have that gift of organization, right? It's easy to have, I, the gab itself, I feel like is a product, right? It's easy to come up with a product, but it's not easy to run a business to sell that product, right? So, through those guys, I expressed that how much I cared about the community as well, and I wanted to be a part of them, and they were more than happy to let me come aboard. So I want to thank the youth leaders that not only even, you know, giving me such a welcome arms. Um, and from there, it kind of took off. Every protest afterwards, I made sure that I was one of the ones speaking just because I knew that I would be able to get the message across in a way that every side and every person would be able to understand as a human being. So that's, that's, that's how it got into that. Um, but it's a lot of great guys. Uh, uh, there's Kev, who was one of the top speakers. He was one of the first people that were there. He was a great, um, once again, welcome with Omen Arms. Marquise was another guy. There, there's, a, there's a couple of us. Um, we're still working on it because we are so young and this is a spur of the moment thing that we're kind of chewing and walking at the same time, so to speak. So it can be a little... Uh, it could be a little all over the place at times, but the message behind it is, number one, representation for Staten Island. So if you feel strongly about, you know, the struggle and who you are and you just want to be represented, that's what we're here for. You don't have to be the top speaker. You don't have to be an organizer. If you just want to be committed and in tune with your community, then we're here for you. We just did a um a barbecue yesterday we called the burgers and ballots so what it was was you come in 
you fill out your census because we all know how important the census is, but a lot of times in our communities, it isn't stress. So if you don't understand the significance of it, that can snowball into other things, as well as registering to vote, right? So we didn't specifically tell anyone to vote for anybody. Who you vote for is your choice. But once you registered to vote and you filled out the census, we had games, we had uh, uh, cheeseburgers. Uh, my man team went to Donut World. He caught three or four or five dozen boxes of Donut Worlds, which were amazing donuts. I love that place. And it was about progression. It was probably the most sign-ups for the census and voting that they've had at any community event. And that's what it's about. It's not just about protesting. It's about taking action in your community and trying to help people push that next foot forward. That's amazing. I, uh, I wrote this early on in my notepad. I, I wrote, no matter how many shares or likes you have, always remember your voice is powerful. 100%, 100%. And uh, that actually speaks volumes. Like you said, um, I had, that's just to segue to the whole cowboy thing. I have friends who, like I said, they're trying to get their social media presence higher. And they have, I know a lot of people with bad habits of deleting videos because they don't have the traction that they want. And what you have to understand is if you're going to build a business to your niche, to, to something that you're good at, if you compromise that, then you're not staying true to yourself. And in turn, you, that base of people who do end up following you, they're not really following you. They're following what you adjust yourself for people to like you. The numbers come later. What you have to do is stay consistent. Consistency is the key between whether it's protesting, whether you have a blog, whether you're an entrepreneur, you're not gonna get, if, like, if you're doing it for money, if you're doing it for the numbers, then you're in the wrong place. Do it because you love it and the rest will follow. Yeah, you gotta know your purpose of why, of like the why, you know? People always push like, what's the why behind what you're doing? Yeah. And, um, yeah, if it could get cloudy with numbers, it could be money numbers, it could be, you know, but I, you know, I think if you really focus on the impact, like, I, 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 I want to, you know, I just want to shout out my mom real quick. My mom doesn't even use social media. She's probably saved several, several, several hundred cats in the community, several hundred people. And, wow. um, just from being a friend. Like, you know, and that she just focuses on being a friend. She never will even say like, look, I was just a friend. Like every day, bro, she goes and picks up sandwiches at a, at a school that's like a few miles away and then brings them to her neighbor who has cancer and just does, and just does it. It's 12, it's 1230. It has to get done. And, um, and I think I always say, bro, like for me, I'm like work like my father, love like my mother. And if I could do both, you know, I know I'm going to be a good person. And I, you know, I really respect everyone out there doing it not for the numbers, but really doing it for the impact. And I also want to take a little bit of time if I can, because along those lines and along those protests, there's a lot of great people who took the initiative to buy water bottles, to buy snacks, to buy things of that nature and hand them out to people who are protesting you know it, it, it's one thing to protest but it's another thing to like you said take that extra initiative to take care of somebody else when you don't have to so if you guys haven't got any credit and you're watching all my 
fellow protesters who are, you know, who are giving water bottles and just the, the little things that matter so much, man, yeah, you have not gone unnoticed. So I, we had a few, a few people had sent me some questions to reach out um, for this. So we have one. It said, are you seeking the support of white allies and accomplices for your mission? Uh, yes. Um, we are not, being pro-black does not mean anti-white, you know? Um, when MLK and Angela Davis, I say Angela Davis specifically, uh, when at the time where she was fighting her political battles, um, she was cornered into a situation where they tried to assimilate her with a crime and put her in jail. And the reason why she was able to get out of jail because she had white allies who were on her side. Um, I think the problem with history is history shapes two narratives, but they only show the narrative that they shifted for me, right? In the black community, you know, they tell you that the Black Panthers were thugs and, and, and they were this and they were that, but they don't talk about how they painted white activists, let's say during the time of Vietnam. There was a lot of white men and women who were side by side with the Panthers during this whole thing. So this is not like an overnight thing. You guys have been with us this entire time. But the way they paint your history is, you know, they label all the activists as hippies. You know, everyone in the 70s were hippies and, and everyone did acid and this and that, but that couldn't be more from the truth. The, there were a lot of young people who were serious about the fight against the war that was in Vietnam at the time and serious about activism itself. So I feel like if we really went back through the history, a lot of this wouldn't have been possible without our white allies because they were with us hand and foot, side by side the entire time. It's just unfortunate that history hasn't told you guys their story. Because as I've gone and I've dig deeper, I understand that once again, from, 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 from the time of, of abolishing slavery itself, when our assimilation together was damn near a crime. And there were still a lot of good people even then who came forward to help out, whether it was somewhere for slaves on the run to hide during the Underground Railroad or even just speaking out in general. So I'm, I, I want to build better relations. But before I can build that better relation, I have to make sure that my people, the black people have pride in themselves first, right? So that's what we, that's the message we want to send. Be prideful in yourself. That doesn't mean hate everybody, I, not even cops. I don't hate cops. I do believe that these are people who want to go home just like everybody else, right? At the end of the day, you can say what you want, but this is a job and they have families as well. So more so, we need to figure out a common ground where you can go home and I can go home safe. So at the allies have always been there and, and they're more than welcome. And um, do you see this movement as allied with other initiatives centered around immigrant communities? Uh, I'm 100%. Um, I have, we haven't been in tune with a lot of 
immigration organizations, but it has been something that has been heavy on my heart. Um, I'm actually half Spanish. Um, my mother, she had came to the United States when she was a child and they're actually from Honduras. So a lot of the kids and a lot of the people that are coming through Mexico aren't only necessarily Mexican. You know, you have even African, but a lot of African people, when they migrate to the States, they have to go through Mexico because, you know, you got to go to one point, to this point, to that point, to that point, to finally get through. So, yes, we are, that, at least personally, it's something that I want to get more involved in in making sure their voices are being heard as well. And, um, you know, you've, you've been at these protests, you've really ignited a positive flame for many and you're collaborating with people and people are really, uh, they're really catching a good vibe from you. Um, some people, uh, I got a question here. It says, do you have ambitions of becoming an elected official or do you enjoy your position within your collective organization? Uh, number one, I definitely enjoy my position with my organization. Uh, once again, uh, I was on the phone for 12 hours a day, cold calling people in the hopes of get, making money. And now I'm on the phone for 12 hours a day, not making money. And I couldn't be happier. So this is something I do want to do for the long term. Um, even when I was young, it might sound weird, but I, I was a kid and I used to watch CNN all the time. Um, uh, for instance, one of my heroes is Van Jones, and Van Jones, um, he's a political commentator, and he's on CNN a lot, and he fights for, you know, the minorities and and speaks on our behalf, and that's something I've always envisioned myself doing, because when I see those guys, I don't just hear words, it's more, for me, it's more like boxing, you know what I'm saying, moves and counter moves, and being able to articulate those moves and counter moves, so was it the plan? No, it wasn't necessarily the plan, but I feel like this is what that's where this is going to push me to a position where I can truly represent the people and it's something I'm looking forward to. That's something else, man. So, of course, you know, we've seen a lasting effects of the rallies and the protests. Um, some laws are being changed in certain states. Um, we've seen lots of people stand up. I'm sure you, you're used, you may be used to hearing this. I know as someone who's done a lot of projects and events, people are always like, well, what's next? Um, we had a question. Someone had asked, what are some of your future initiatives? Well, like I said, we're, we're still a young group, man. Um, I actually had, so we were at the, the barbecue yesterday and uh, there were a lot of like older generations there and they were overwhelmingly like appreciative and, and they expressed to us the monumental effect that we've had already, uh, especially with the protests, like even on the South Shore. It was something that had never been done before. But for us, we didn't, I guess it didn't really hit us yet, right? Because we feel like we just did a couple protests. So I don't think we even realized the magnitude of traction we've already gained. Um, and because we are so new, like I said, we have a lot of ideas, but it's going to take time for those ideas to, you know, come to fruition. So we're not as much as a political 
career would make sense and I would love it. I'm not looking towards the future. I'm looking towards tomorrow. You know, what is something that we can do tomorrow to affect change? Um, one of the biggest things that we're, we're considering, or which is we've already done, was yesterday, the voting. You know, we've got to get people in the voting booth. Um, whoever your preference or your choice is your choice. You know, that's what's great about America. And I don't believe that anyone should be told who they should vote for or they should be put down for who they decide to vote for. That's your right as an American. But you have to show up to the ballot because a democracy doesn't work if you don't take part in the democracy, right? So that it was our first initiative. Now, on a more residential scale, we want to start putting committees together so we can be proactive in our, you know, town council meetings, our city council meetings. Um, a lot of these council meetings represent, you know, our neighborhoods, but there's no one from the actual neighborhood who's in attendance. And respectfully so, that causes the disenfranchise where our needs aren't being heard because they're not addressed in the first place. So as much as people would like to paint a negative tone on the city or things of that nature, it could simply be the fact that these problems are not being aware of, you know, in the same instance that a lot of the police brutality situations, it's not that people didn't care. It's just that they were not aware these things were happening. So we need to be present and vocal that way our issues can be addressed, whether that's a city council, whether it's your borough council, your borough president, we're going to take those steps to provide a information because understanding these positions and what they do are the second half of the battle. It's easy to check a box when you don't know what's behind that box you just checked. So I would like, we're going to start initiatives for more information to be available easily, as well as more transparency for your neighborhood. If the funds are being allocated in one way, we want to know where those funds are going. And things in regards of, like, my neighborhood, there's a liquor store on almost every corner. Why is there a liquor store on every corner in my neighborhood, but on the South Shore, there's one for every three or four miles? Now, these licenses are given by these committees for these people to be able to come into these neighborhoods and put these liquor stores. Now, it might seem like something small to you or, or, or to a lot of people, but when you have a liquor store right across from a community, it pushes the, the, the it, it, it preys on that community. The same way when you go to a store in the South Shore, you don't see as many, you know, cigarette uh, ads, but if you go to, you know, the lower communities, there's cigarette ads here, cigarette ads there, and these kids, they grow up seeing and idolizing these images. So we really need to, our, we, we're going to make it our mission to, just be more hands-on in the community overall. Amazing. And um, maybe before we we call it a night, what would you say maybe that was a you know one of the best bits of advice that you've ever received from somebody, or something that you you know one of your like models in this world? accountability. Um, accountability, accountability. Uh, my uncle taught me that you have to, A, be accountable for yourself. 
you know, it's easy. It's so easy to point the finger at this person for this being wrong, or that person for that being wrong. But you have to. What happens in that person's day has nothing to do with you, right? If you agree to something, then that is something that you should stand on. Now, you might have a, you might have the best excuse in the world, and that's great. But at the end of the day, an excuse is an excuse. You couldn't get the job done. So unless a task is completed, you have not completed that task. And it's something that always stuck with me because, like, a lot of times we sell ourselves short. Um, when I was studying for my Series 7, for example, if my nose itched, I'd get up from the table. If, if I had to, if I was a little thirsty, I'd get up from the table. Any reason to get up from that table, I would get up from that table. Now, I would say, yeah, because, you know, the room's too hot or I just need to walk around. These are all excuses. And I can't get to where I want to be if I'm not taking myself serious. You want... We can't, I can't expect someone to hold, I can't expect to hold someone else accountable to something if I don't have, hold myself accountable. If I tell myself this is the date and this is the start and I'm not meeting that goal, how could I hold pressure to you for not meeting the goal that you said you were going to set for me, right? And I just feel as though accountability is at the root cause for a lot of people's troubles as whether it's business, you know, love, life, you got to be able to stop and look at yourself in the mirror and understand, A, where you went wrong, but B, being accountable for moving forward as well. Because it's easy, once again, it's easy to fall into like a, a depressive state where you're blaming and you're doing this and, 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 and you have to look at yourself and say, that is a part of the problem as well. I can't be I can't be hung up on what works and doesn't work. You have to keep moving forward and you have to keep trying. And that's just something that I, I've always stuck with. Accountability, accountability, accountability. Amazing, man. So maybe you could let people know where they could find the the organization, where they could okay. find you and how okay. they could stay connected with everything. Well, of course, first and foremost, my name is Donald Robinson. Um I'm with the Youth Leaders of Staten Island, which you can find us on Instagram, Youth Leaders of Staten Island, underscore. Uh, Facebook, Youth Leaders of Staten Island. My personal, uh, my personal Instagram is Don, uh, I'm sorry, it's in Don underscore we trust. So I-N-D-O-N underscore we trust. And on my personal website, I swear I put post all of our flyers, all of our events. And I do a lot of questionnaires as well, you know, for, like I said, this isn't just about us, it's about the community as a whole. And we want to know other people's input. You know, I might be the face on the camera, but I'm not the only one in the community. So we're more than welcome for any criticism, any any questions, any any opportunities that do come our way, we're more than happy to be a part of it. So follow us, guys. Let's go. Oh, thank you. Um, I really look forward to seeing where you go from here and um, everything you got going okay. on, man. Keep shining that light on the world and uh, the community. And, and I want to—I uh, just want to, you know, give you a shout out. You know, it's 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 people like you and platforms like this that really make the movement and and make it is, you know, 
make this what it is. Without the opportunity to have your voice heard, then you're just a guy screaming in the dark. So I want to, you know, give a big shout out to you guys. And, you know, Thank you. you guys are a pivotal part of this situation. And I couldn't be more blessed to be here, man. Thank you. And uh, I want to, of course, shout out my friend Stefan for connecting us. My man, that's my guy. And, and just a quick, I would really do, Stefan has been a vital and a pivotal part of my progression personally as a whole. And it just, once again, goes to show you that, you know, there are a lot of people who feel what we're talking about and they believe in it as much as we do. And he is an amazing person. And I couldn't be more appreciative to him as well. So thanks, bro, if you're looking. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to him and and shout out to everyone out there doing amazing work, whether you're creating something, whether you're sharing a flyer, whether, you know, you're you're out there and um, we we see you guys, even, you know, the people that haven't posted about it. We know there's so many people behind the scenes making things happen too and uh, organizing um, peaceful things and, um, Keep shining that light, man. 100%. 100%. Thank you again, man. Of course, man.